0: All right, well, y'all know me. I'm Carlos. Um, I'm glad I was given the opportunity to uh, share this morning with you guys, and I hope I can uh, instill some wisdom that I feel God has shown me, has given me. Um, And, uh, yeah, so I just want to start with a little intro. I know y'all haven't seen me for a while. I I usually try sometimes to come lead worship, but... um, We've been in PA, so it's kind of far, but uh, I haven't stopped. Uh, I've been able to lead worship over there at uh, Steamtown Church and at the Spanish Church over there, too, which is also Alliance. They have given me the opportunity to be a part of what they have there, and it's been a a great opportunity to continue to enhance that talent and continue to bless others with music and stuff. Um, We actually did, like, a, a worship uh, they do like they did like a congregational worship night about three months ago, was it three months ago? Well, five months ago now, <laughs> um, where they invited all the churches surrounding to come and come together and worship as one body, and uh, I was able to lead during that day, and it was streamed live and everything. And I mean, that thing was packed. The church is so big, um, and we were just blessed. I was, I felt blessed to really be a, a part of that, and and to see. The churches come together as one um, and worship together, which I believe is important in the body of Christ. Uh, Other than that, obviously, this is my last semester of school. I finally graduate with my master's in clinical mental health in May. Um, Thank you. Thank you. I was waiting. I was waiting. I don't know what else to say to make you clap. But uh, (laughs) it's been a long long road, right? Uh, I started with... um, my bachelor's in criminal justice. I wanted to go to the FBI. Um, So I did criminal psychology and I did um, strategic intelligence. And then I got married. So she said no to FBI because I need to be safe. Um, And so I struggled. That was really struggling because I thought that's what I wanted to do. And then I was just hearing people out what they said and they were like, well, you know, you'll be a good teacher, right? And I was like... Maybe I would. So I joined a, a full-blown, full scholarship was given to me to St. John's University to become a teacher. However, when they put me in the field, I was like, no. These kids don't listen. And I just, I mean, Chandra can attest, I came home like red every day, stressed out. I, I, I probably would be bald right now, I think, if I would have stayed because it's in my family. but. Um, but I'm not, so I still got. I think I still got here, yeah. All right. So, anyways, but that was great. So, I decided that I needed to really take a step back. And what is it that I really want to do? And I always uh, would down myself because I knew my. Uh, I always wanted to encourage people somehow. I always, and it, it was beyond just the singing. I always wanted to be one-on-one with someone. I'm not, I'm not too big with the groups, like, in the sense of, like, I can do them, but, like, I like the one-on-one where I can uh, speak to someone, believe it or not, I do. However, I never portrayed that because I was always scared. Sometimes I still get scared. Uh, I get fearful, and so um, I would always put it in the back burner, you know? I'd be like, uh, yeah, that's what I want to do someday. But then I, was, I lost confidence, and so I never thought I could counsel people. Um, And so, surely enough, after, you know, defeating my thoughts of myself and what I perceived of myself, which was bad, I um, seeked out counseling, uh, and as a master's, obviously, you need a master's to become a counselor, Um, and here I am. Uh, I love what I do, Um, and I've been blessed beyond measure, unbelievably, in this career field. I have seeing God move in a mighty way. So uh, I say that because in, um, this summer I had a big issue that happened in my school during my practicum. Um, pretty much I was lied on uh, at my practicum, which led me to be very discouraged. Um, and that led to me almost losing my internship uh, because uh, I really was lied on. Um, However, I felt, like, this big, like, mass of confusion because, like, I'm almost at the end, and now this happens. And I just didn't know what was happening. Long story short, uh, the Lord opened a place, uh, which was pretty much almost impossible, within a week. I found a new internship site. For those who seek out internships, you know you you don't find internships in a week. This one called me on the week, took me on the spot after I let them know what my situation was. Come now, uh, a month later, they asked me if I wanted to come as a part-time prevention counselor, right, uh, crisis prevention counselor. And I was like, oh, cool, that, that'd be great. So I'll be a counselor assistant, and I would, you know, whenever someone was in crisis. I work in a recovery center, a substance abuse uh, recovery center. Um, I, I would work four, four hours in the evening for only three days, so it was part-time for sure. But I thought it was a great experience, great opportunity, yay. Then a month later, I was asked, a month later, so this was like December, I was asked if I wanted to become the detox counselor. I would still be a counselor assistant, but as a detox counselor, I would deal more more with the mental health uh, issues, but it would still be more of less one-on-one, more assessment type. So I was doing assessments here and there all the way around. And... uh, Come to now, last month I was offered a, f- a full-time counselor position before I even get my master's with a full payment, salary, everything included. Um, and so that's how God works, right? That's how God works. God makes a way where it feels like there is no way. And it's unbelievable what God has done. Like, this is this position you can't get without a master's, but they have given it to me. Of course, they're believing I'm going to graduate in May. But <laughs> which you know, pray for me. I have an exam coming up for uh, for counseling. But um, but overall, I'm confident. You know, i in God. However, through this process, I know I talked a lot about my intro, but there's a reason for that because I believe that sometimes as a church, we forget something very important that we learn in counseling, right? And that is something called empathy. Empathy is such a mighty word that we take for granted and that we confuse with so many other things that are not, you know, that that are not real, that are not true. And it causes us to feel like we're empathizing with others, but we're not. We're actually making things worse, believe it or not. And so as I've trained, obviously, as a counselor, I have learned and felt like I've identified what this means for me. I have found identity in what I do because I realize that what I do is pretty much what Christ did. If, you, if, if I look at everything I do, what I'm doing, it's almost like a Christ-like character of everything I'm working with people who are obviously uh, addicted to drugs or, or alcoholics. And I'm working with them 24-7. It's a 24-7 facility. You know, they're coming in. They're relying on me as their counselor to help them through this. And so... Um, Obviously, it has changed the way I look at empathy now, right? It's, the, it's it completely changed how I treat people now. And I'm still struggling in some areas. I'm not going to say I got it all down, but that's, the, that's why it's so hard. Because it's one of the hardest things to share, especially in the church. Because the church should be the one that empathizes more. But sometimes in the church, we miss the mark of what that even means, and so I want to encourage you and talk about today, uh, and that's why show shows the scripture. I think this is working. It's on? Oh, off. There we go. Okay. I guess it takes time to connect. Oh, <laughs> There we go. All right. So we read in the scripture to, uh, today... Um, that put on then as god 's chosen one 's holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience i don 't do see i don 't do this often <laughs> but, but um, it threw me off, okay, we read the scripture before, but i want I want to pinpoint some things here, right I want us to look at the scripture i 'm not going to read the whole thing just for sake of time, but um, I want us to look at what he 's what Crisis, or what the Bible is saying here, put on then as God's chosen chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, which I underline right there, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. That's something, you know, it's not saying that we receive this, it's that we put this on so that we can bear with others. Sometimes we're all about well, I, why can't people be compassionate with me? Why can't people be kind with me? Why do I have to, you know, why, why do I have to put all this on? Why can't people just show this to me? However, if we call ourselves followers of Christ, we are called to put this on and to bear it with one another, right? Sometimes we just hide. We don't want to bear this. It's too embarrassing, maybe, or sometimes we just don't think it's enough. Uh, to, it's not that important to really expose it. And we hide and we act like everything's okay and life is perfect and no one needs to know anyway because, you know what, it's my business, no one's else. That's obviously the wrong attitude to have. Let's continue. We're dissecting this scripture, by the way. That's why you'll see a lot of highlighting and a lot of underlining here. We're dissecting this scripture. Then it says, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So not only are we to put on all these other things, but most importantly, out of everything, we need to put on love. Because that is what actually will get us to come together, connect. That will actually actually allow us to, you know, like I'm not going to come to someone who's not showing me love. If I don't feel invited to your house, I'm not going. You got to show me that, you know, you actually want me to come. You know what I mean? However, I can read if you don't want me to go to your house. Right? And so I'm going to have a lot of people invite me to their house. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, unless you're doing hot pot, the lungs house. Hey, all right. So, anyways, um, above all these, you know, you, in order to be in perfect harmony, we have to put on love too. What else does it say? Indeed, you were called in one body. Right? We were called all one bo- to be one body to sh- put all all these things above all else, love for one body in perfect harmony. Continuing on. Teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. All right. Now, just to be clear, that's not confined to these four walls. Right. This is what we show as a lifestyle when we go out there. Obviously, we do these things here, but sometimes we don't even do them out there. Right. And so the question is, what, 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 what does this all have to do with empathy? Right. And I'll, I think we have one more. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So obviously, er, not only do we put everything on, not only do we put on love, not only do we teach and admonish and come together, but we have to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, right? So with all that, having all this together, what, how does empathy come to this? What, what does empathy even have to do with this? So I'm going to put in a list for you. In dissecting this word, we we realize that we need to bear with one another, right? We need to put on love. We need to know that we are one body. We need to teach and admonish one another, and we need to do it in Jesus Christ's name. That's pretty much what we got from that word, right? So this is pretty much empathy. And we'll explain more. I'll explain more, but this is empathy, it's getting in there. It's doing the work and doing it for the purpose, right? And as we continue, <clears throat> we read, what is it? Uh, oh, uh, that was a little empathy, cute little thing I had there. You see he has his hand over him. All right, so this is empathy, right? So what is empathy, right? And, and uh, let, let's, let's first continue with what it's not, because I'm just going to overwhelm you with imp- what empathy means, because I gotta get it and in drilled, and in in, you know, drilled in here, so that when I explain more, you'll be like, "Oh, okay, okay, now I get it." Hopefully, <laughs> what is empathy? Empathy is not just a feeling. Oh, look, that's not empathy. It's not empathy. Okay, it's not just something like you little tingly inside and ooh, I feel like oh, that's so. I empathize with you. That's not empathy. That is a deceitful empathy. Empathy is not sympathy. I feel sorry for that person. I can't believe they're going through all that. That is not empathy. We've been deceived. That is not empathy, right? That's sympathy. Sympathy says, oh, I feel sorry. Or, I feel pity or, oh, poor thing, you know. Let's get away from them, you know. <laughs> that's, not, that's not empathy. Empathy is not one and done. Okay, you know what? L- let me just, you know, let me, let me do this one thing for them, and then we're good. We, we did our job. That's not empathy. But empathy is an action. I will say that. Empathy is an action. It is something that we do. We have to do. It's not just a feeling, but there's an action to it. we got to do something. We can't just be like, oh, okay, let's go home. (laughs) You know what I mean? We can't just, like, ignore it. Because when we do, then we're just being sympathetic. We're not showing empathy. Also, empathy is sincere, right? can't fake it. Believe me, we have so many kids we work with, they know if we're fake or we're real. And we and, and they read it from afar when they get on that bus to camp. They're looking at us, they're, they're checking us out, and they're like, mm-hmm. Okay, let me see, let me give you a day, let me give you, you know, let me warm up to you, let me see if this is real, right? And then the moment that, you know, you mess up, it's like, whoa. You kind of lost credibility because they feel like, oh, like this person is not even sincere. Look at them now. They were, put, they were fake. They were putting a face. They were acting like it. You got to be sincere if you're going to be empathetic. If not, then pretty much you're at the end of the day, at some point, you're going to be caught. And empathy is connecting. One of the biggest things is connecting. You have to connect. You can't just be like, well, you know, well, I did that. I'm, I'm moving on. Let's move forward. You have to connect. You have to come together. Okay? So, empathy is defined in the dictionary as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. That is what the dictionary says. The ability to understand, right, understand, and share feelings, right? So, if someone's depressed, I'm sharing in their depression, that's pretty tough to do. I don't want to get depressed. <laughs> but there's a purpose for that. I understand your depression. Do you really understand my depression? Right? It's like all of a sudden, all these questioning, all this. But we need to re- remember what empathy does so that we can move forward and do it in an effective way. So there's three ways I want to kind of share with you. Empathy, you have to listen, which we'll talk about more. You have to connect, and you have to respond. However, you have to respond appropriately. See a little heart in the O? That means appropriately. (laughs) All right, so you got to listen, connect, and respond. Simple, right? No, it's not. It's not that simple. But it does look simple. But that is what we're supposed to do when we empathize with someone. So let's begin with learning to listen. Boy, is this a hard one, especially in marriages. Listening is a very, very hard because, you know, we're always into ourselves. Um, who can relate? No amens out there? Okay. My wife says amen. <laughs> you have to listen, but that's the problem. We don't want to listen because it's our way or the highway, whether you like it or not. And that's not empathy. That's someone trying to just get their way. However, in learning to listen, there's a scripture, there's an important scripture in, in in the Bible that talks about that, I think. Is that the next one? Oh, no. Well, first, in listening, you have to gain understanding, right? It's all about understanding that person where they're at. You're not going to understand if you don't listen, right? If you just talk, 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 and just let the person talk, okay, uh-huh, let me get, okay. The Bible actually talks about that. The Bible actually talks about when you don't think about before you, like, you just are thinking before you speak. I hope that makes sense. It says in Proverbs eighteen two, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Boy, that's a foolish person, because most likely everything's just going to crumble if you're always finding pleasure and just expressing, well, I got to express myself. Because if I don't express myself, there's no one going to hear me out. Right? It's a two-way street, right? That's a person who's hurting. However, if a person comes with understanding, wouldn't that change everything? You're like, no. Wouldn't it? I've worked with many a people who come and they want to share everything that happened. Their family has done this. They've done that. And I just listen. I sit there and I listen. And I just dissect what they say because I'm like, well, let, let, let's hear. Because when you listen, you actually can, can hear what the person is saying. Opposed to being in your mind thinking about what you're going to say. How many have done that before? Mm -hmm. You talk before you even, like you you, you think before you're even going to respond, a person's still talking about what they're saying. And we do that all the time. But in order to become empathetic with people, in order to be able to understand them, we have to listen. We have to give ear. We have to give full attention. People, what they do is nowadays, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, I heard you, I heard you. yeah oh yeah oh that's terrible I didn't listen I'm just appeasing the person right there's two types active and passive listening right active listening is being attentive passive listening is oh yeah, whatever right on the phone hey Maria Uh uh huh uh huh yeah uh huh what's up girl what you doing uh huh you going to uh camp huh what huh (laughs) she's looking at me, she's going to kill me when I leave. (laughs) That's passive listening. That's someone who's not listening to what you're saying, right? But a person who listens is engaged, gives you their full attention. You show the importance of who they are, right? You're gaining an understanding of who and what they're coming with. That's part of listening, right? Also, like like I said, it shows the importance of that person, person doesn't feel important if you're just, like, not listening to them and shuffling your papers, looking the other way. not li- Like, you're not being attentive to that person. So guess what that person going to do? That person is going to read you from a mile ahead and say, I don't trust you. So I'm not going to tell you anything. Think about marriages. That's why people don't say anything sometimes in their marriages. In their marriages, they don't say anything because they don't feel that it's going to be important when they bring it out to people. Same thing in friendships and family. Why is there so many dissolutions in family? So many uh, people upset with each other because no one shows that they're important. No one is willing to step. One of the things we're supposed to put on, humility. No one's willing to take a step back and say, you know what, let me listen to you. Let's understand each other. Let's reason so that we can, you know, see where we're coming from. Instead, we jump to bickering and fighting that does no one no good. And listening connects, right? If I'm understanding and I'm showing you importance, I just made a connection with you. I just connected with you. I know what you're saying. I'm not going, huh? I'm going, oh, that's crazy. I get it now for the young people. That's crazy. <laughs> for the adults. Oh, wow, I understand. That's awesome. Wait, no, that's still young people, right? I'm, st- I'm still young, guys. I'm still young, <laughs> I'm still young, I hope. Um, so you have to connect. You have to connect. Without connection, you will, I will lose a client right away. If I don't learn to connect with, if I can't sit down for one hour and listen to you and show you that your time, my time is important as your time, right? We come together, and then I don't, like, how are they going to connect with me? How are they ever going to click? They're not going to listen to me. They're going to think this fool has a master's degree, doesn't know what he's doing. That's what they're going to say. And they'll. Re- and believe me, drug addicts and alcoholics can read you like a little kid, too. And so it's important for us to listen. We must gain understanding through listening, show they're important, and connect with them. Now, connection is the, the second thing I said, making connection. And there's a scripture here, Luke 48. Luke 8, Luke 8:4348, 8, and it's one of the most empathetic things Jesus did. And we all are like, "Oh you know, he, you know, he healed this lady. Wow, that's awesome. But God showed us something here. It says in Luke 8:43 to 48, let's read. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched Jesus, and touched uh, the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, Who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and are pressing on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive the, I perceive the power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. There's a connection that happened here. In order to show empathy like Christ and live in empathy, we have to connect. Without connection, we've lost the person. We, we, we can't just come and think we could just say the truth and think someone's just going to take it and connect. You have to build a relationship like Christ built a relationship with us. Right? I didn't just come and say, all right, let me believe in God, amen, hallelujah, let's go. Right? No. God lured me in. Right? I remember when I was 15. I was, uh, you know, my mother abandoned me. My father wasn't really present. Here is a little boy who's just doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, trying to get the attention from whoever he can because he feels lonely and sad and no one will talk to him. No one will show him importance. No one will empathize with him and say, hey, I know you're hurting. I'm here for you. Until someone came up to me and said, hey, you want to come to Bible, Bible, Bible uh, study on Wednesday? All it took was that. All it took was someone to say, can you come to Bible study with me? And my life changed forever because in my mind, I was like I was searching for something somewhere where I would be heard and felt important. And when someone said to me, come, I went. And I I mean, believe it or not, uh, believe it or not, the music was that got me. Right. (laughs) Right? That's why I'm a worship leader now. But it's the music. Right. I heard I heard drums. I was like, oh, what's going on? This church What's going on in here. You know, I like I was in a concert or something. It's my first concert ever. And then people started talking to me. Oh, man, when people started talking to me, I didn't know what to do with myself. And That's why I struggle sometimes to, to, to I, you know, ask the Valesas, you know. When I first came, it was hard to connect because I had no connection with anyone. Everything was always, like, it was too, too much, too close, too, too deep. Right. And so when I went there, I sensed that people were taking action and showing that you're important. Let me talk to you. Let me give you five minutes. Let me sit with you. How are you doing, brother? Do you, do you want a cup of coffee? Like, what do you like? Let's talk. And when people started doing to me, that lured me. I was like, wow. Those people are so nice. Those people are like amazing to me. And then I would go back home and get the totally opposite. And so, of course, I would, so all I wanted to do was spend my time in church. And so I would, get, I would try to get a ride from whoever I could because my parent, my dad wouldn't take me. And I just had to get to church because that's the place I felt accepted. I felt important. I felt heard. They were willing to hear me out. I wasn't just an outsider. What, they didn't look if I was a pastor that had credentials. They didn't look at me and say, oh, well, what degree do you have? They didn't look at me and say, oh, well, w- you know, w- w- what can you offer us? They never came in that approach. They never, I never felt abused. I never felt overused. I felt accepted and taken in. And that's what changed me because I realized the reason they are like that is because they have Jesus in their heart. And that's, of course, why I accepted Christ. They empathized with me. They met me where I was at. Right? And here Jesus connects with this uh, woman who for 12 years has tried to get healed. And all she did was touch his garment and was immediately healed. Right? There's a connection that happened here. Let's talk about it. First of all, there was a reaching out. There was an initiative, right? There's always people hurting, and they want to reach out, but they're scared because sometimes we're not too open. So we have to be reachable. If we're not reachable, no one's going to come to us. We have to open ourselves and be reachable and say, hey, I'm, I'm here. Here's my, phone, here's my phone number. Text me whenever. Whenever. It's, it's interesting because, you know, in AA, um, when you go to a meeting and everybody's kind of recovered and stuff, or NA, whichever, um, I, I remember I had to go to one for my school and, like, you know, that, for those in AA usually are celebrating years of recovery <laughs> and so forth, and they come to me and they want, I was like, hey, here's my number. I'm like, what the, <laughs> what do you mean, here's your number, what does that mean? And they're all giving each other's numbers. Why? Here, reach me. Whenever you're in trouble, this is my number. They thought I was in recovery. They didn't, I didn't know I was a student. But they were telling me, if you need help, we're here for you. Any new person that came, they passed out a notebook. Everybody put their numbers in it. Call whoever you can. Everybody here is available. Whenever 24-7 a crisis is going on, you call us. We're here. We're here to encourage each other, to lift each other up. I was like, wow, this should be church. Church. And church is like, oh, the sister, don't, don't answer it. You know, I got, I, got, I got things to do. I'm busy. I'm, we're too busy all the time. We're too busy. And the sad part is that because we're too busy, we can lose someone. Like, that's, that's the hard part. Because we're so consumed with our life that we're not willing to empathize with others, we forget the power that there is in just Connecting. And saying, "Hey, let me just give this person a phone call," and you know, I remember when I first went to St. Paul's house. You know, I uh, I, I I um I didn't know I was going to move to New York City. I always thought I was going to stay in Houston, Texas, where my people at <laughs> Dallas. That doesn't count. Um, so, Houston, Houston, Texas, um, born and raised. I can preach like a cowboy, too, if you want, but probably y'all won't understand. Anyways, um, so I remember there was this one guy. His name is Jeremiah. He's come here and played drums before. Y'all seen him? And I remember one time he was the most random person because Jeremiah is a person that connects. He will call whoever, whenever, however, don't matter, no embarrassment, no shame, whatever. So I answer the phone call, remember. I go, yo, what's up? Yo, what's up? It's Jeremiah. Yo, what's up? What you doing? How's your life? You following God? I'm like, what's going on here? And I'm like, you know, I'm struggling. I'm sad. I'm upset because, well, you know, I'm a little depressed, you know, because, like, I feel like I should be doing ministry, but, like, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm here just working a, a, at Express in a real you know, folding jeans. I'm a, I'm a denim expert. There's such things. I'm a denim, you know, that means I know how to fold the denim very well. Um, that is, that's a denim expert. I was like, do I get a raise? No. <laughs> you should get the title. <laughs> also, in my resume, denim expert. <laughs> I know how to fold your jeans, right? So, and so he's telling me all this stuff, and I'm like, yeah, and he's like, well, move, to, uh, come to the house. I'm like, what do you mean come to the house? Yeah, just come to the house. I'll talk to Chandra. She's in Australia right now, but, you know, yeah, I'll. Just come. You'll be fine. You'll be good. She'll take you in. Five months later, <laughs> five months after that call, he told me to come right away. Chandra called me five months later to tell me, yeah, you can come. And here I am. I've been a part of St. Paul's house since 2008, right? And all it took was someone to reach out and say, hey, there's an open door here for you. Never did I think I would go to college, never had an interest for it. I don't feel everybody needs to be in college, that's my opinion. However, and I felt the same for myself. However, I do believe that if you do need it, like it has to be from yourself. (laughs) This thing's annoying. From yourself. So, but regardless of my opinion, right, I was given the opportunity to do school, which I never thought I would do. I am the first in my family to graduate with a master's degree this May. No one in my family has a master's, right? Something that is, I don't even hold high. Like, I I don't even care. Because for me, what's important is that, or what still hurts at times, which I know I've lacked, is that they're still not fully saved. That they still, I haven't been able to fully empathize with my mother because of what she's done to me, right? I still struggle to show empathy to her because I feel she doesn't deserve it at times. Or with my father, sometimes, I mean, with my father, we've, we've gone some ground, which is awesome, right? This is me being real. I've gained some ground with my father. And, you know, but even at times, I just don't want to talk, you know? But I know that if I don't reach out, then we lose connection. And if we lose connection, we lose relationship. And if we lose relationship, we have nothing, And so we have to connect. We have to reach out. That's the hard part. It's because it requires of our time and our sacrifice. It says in Romans 14, 13, therefore let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. And I put this scripture up because usually what happens is we don't like to connect because other people are, we think they're like sinning. Oh, well, you know. Should have hang out with that person because that person not even living with the Lord, you know, which is unbelievable because that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to meet those sinners like Jesus did because we're sinners ourselves. We need to get in there and empathize with how they feel instead of running away and acting like we're perfect. That's the hard part. I sh- we all struggle with that. Being able to decipher, we think we're better than some others. Don't even realize we're saying that. Imagine if you said that and someone heard. We're so always so careful in counseling. Be careful what you say because what you say will <laughs> create a problem with your relationship with your rapport, right? And so, like one thing you don't say is like obviously if a if a client comes and um, obviously you never tell them yes. Did I lose this? No. You're going to get it done. Um, you 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 make sure, right, that you always are leading them, not telling them. Right? You're always creating a, a sense of connection and relationship where they feel like they are empowered, not being just told what to do. They, they, they got to feel that they're not being judged, especially in, in that type of field when they feel everybody's just looking at them as junkies and alcoholics. We must relate to them. We must meet them where they're at. One of the amazing things that I have seen is I worked with this one client. He is about 70 years old. He's come to treatment like three times already. His choice of drug is Listerine. He swallows Listerine That's his his addiction. And I'm looking at this old guy, crunched up, can't even walk, coming to treatment. Sad, right? It's easy to sympathize with him and say, oh, that old guy. However, he's never experienced empathy. At least that's what I think. And I met with him and I sat with him and I asked him one question that took him off guard. And I said to him, so I'm wondering, why, why do you choose Listerine? And it was like, nobody wanted to ask him that. And I'm like, why not? If you ask a person and show their, impor- their importance of what they're saying, like, they may be taken aback because like everybody's a secret. But when you actually expose and come together one-on-one, you'll be amazed at how important they feel that you're willing to ask them a question like, why? Like, well, why do you care? Right? But they realize you do care because you asked a simple question. And he starts talking. He goes, you, I don't know. I just like the tingling sense in my throat and I just do it. And then all of a sudden he just spilled everything, had tears in his eyes, and said to me, well, you know, I'm gay. And I was like, I think he was expecting me to react. Right? Because obviously, uh, well, he doesn't know I'm a Christian, but I guess he felt judged in many ways. And so, obviously, I, I, I know that homo, homosexuality is a sin. It's in the Bible. But that doesn't give me a right to not empathize with him. Right? And so he sits there and he starts telling me all this, that his father treating him this way. His father, you know, he wanted him to be, be into football and to go catch you know, all this, and that his, you know, the, the mother would always say, well, Hank, he doesn't like that stuff, and leave him alone, and leave him alone, right, and he's, he's been playing that over and over for 70 years, I'm not accepted, my parents don't love me, for 70 years, never talked about it, and I'm sitting there and I said to him, well, you know, I met him where he was at, I never told him I thought it was right, right, I never told him it was wrong. All I said to him is I could relate with him because I have a father who also wasn't there. See, it's not that I relate with his homosexuality because I know it's a sin. I know it's not accepted in God's kingdom. But that doesn't give me the right to just ignore him and to throw him aside just because he's living his, he chooses to live his life that way. In fact, I'm the one who's supposed to come in there and show him the love of Christ. After I had the conversation with him, talked to him for a while, he ended up always saying hi to me in the hallway. I, I mean, anytime I would pass, he was just happy and hi. And I mean, I'm just glad I was able to bring a sense of joy. Even even if I plant that little seed at some point, maybe you never know what will happen. But it's not my place to say, well, you know, you this way, so I'm not going to empathize with you, leave you alone because you're a sinner. No, it is my job as a Christian to come aside you, understand you. Why do you choose that? And be that person that not tells you what to do, but shows you that I care about you. And I know that as we continue in our relationship, I can share my faith with you at some point. It's not just about coming to someone and saying, well, I believe in Christ. You should too. No, let's build a relationship. Let's talk. Let's understand each other so that later on we can actually have real conversation and not just talk about the weather. By the way, it's supposed to snow. <laughs> um, and we must uh, take action, obviously. So I took action. Pretty much everything that I've said. You have to take action. You have to get in there. You have to do it. But be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. That's what James 122. You have to do what we're told to do. And what we're told to do is to come alongside, not to judge people, but to love them, meet them where they're at. Not accept their sin, but... Listen, ignoring is not love. Love is coming aside and forgiving. Right? Not that we have the power to forgive, but in a sense, we we have to have a sense of like, we've been forgiven. Like we can come to others because they will also be forgiven if they accept. And they've already been forgiven by the blood of Christ. I want to put attention to the last one. And he said to her daughter, your faith, It's made you well. Go in peace. Because when the last the last point is respond appropriately, some people respond negatively. Well, he just needs to get it together. That's all he needs to do, and then we'll go get it together. Well, you're responding wrong. Ain't nobody gonna respond well to that, right? Empathy. Let's show empathy. Let's empathize. Okay. If I respond appropriately, someone will heal, like this lady was healed, right? Jesus didn't say, who touched me? Get away from me. I'm Jesus, right? No. He said, who touched me? I want to know who it was because I want to know who I healed. I want to know, oh, but everybody's touching you. No, 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 no. There's one person. You see the empathy of Christ? There's one person who touched the garment and and was healed and took power of me. And what did he do? He goes, why would you touch me and get free healing? No, he said, you've been forgiven because of your faith. When you respond appropriately, you get healed. The person gets healed because they realize all it takes is that little moment of of importance, of showing love. It says in Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Whoever thought this scripture would ever come in a sermon. Right? We need... That sweet, sweetness, honeycomb, the, let, it, let those words flow that show someone that you, that, like, ain't nobody going to be healed like, I've seen people, I know there's people who, you know, well, you are healed in the name of Jesus, and they fall down, and they're healed. <clears throat> now for me, sorry, now for me, I mean, I, I can't attest to that, but I know that when someone comes with gracious words, with sweetness, I want to hang around that person. Because that person makes me feel good and important. I know that person's not really judging me. Well, they could be fake. Well, I hope not. <laughs> and responding, one finds hope. Now I know someone cares about me. Someone actually is interested in what I have to say. I, I have hope because I know that there's people around me who empathize. I feel good about myself. It says in Romans 15:23, "...may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace." and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, right? He's the God of hope, and for us to abound in hope, we must come in peace, respond appropriately. If you respond in a peaceful manner, you will get peace, and then a person will find hope because they will realize that you're not just scolding them or judging them, but you're actually coming in love and empathizing and meeting them where they're at. Lastly, in responding, one is saved. One is saved. Obviously, we know that this woman was saved by touching Jesus' garment. But you never know the possibilities that can come when we empathize with others, when we show the love of Christ, when we empathize like Christ empathized with them, when we listen to them, right? When we come together. I'd rather be with someone who shows an interest in someone who's always complaining. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to do this? Or someone who's always wanting to do whatever only they want, never considering the other person. That's not empathy. Empathy says, you know what? All right, I don't want to, but I'm going to. Not because it's an obligation, but because I love you. There's a sense of love. And then you connect and realize, oh, this is what we want to do. We have a connection, and then we respond appropriately, and there's peace, and there's hope, and there's love. Boy, is that what we want. It says in Romans 10, 14, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? So, how can we not, how how can we, say to people, believe in something, right, by never telling them. So we get this one chance of telling them, and we can tell them, obviously, the aggressive way. I call those the aggressive people who, you know, share the gospel. Very aggressive. No, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. No, come here. Come here. Come here. You know, it's usually a turnoff. But if you have a person who is patient, right, I'm sure Pastor Al has had many of these, I'm guessing, right? Many of these people who he had to first build a relationship, take time, this usually happens in families too, take time, show love, continue to build relationship, to then them finally accepting Christ. And I think, if I'm correct, Laurie's brother was in that way, right? And I met, he's one of the best guys I've met. I get him to camp twice. Like, That's what happens. It takes time, but that's empathy. Empathy says, I'm willing to wait it out. I'm not looking to just save you now. I'm looking to actually make it effective and real for you in this moment. And all it's going to take is probably the rest of my life. Right? That's why it starts in the household and it goes out. And so, in ending, I hope I didn't go too long. I didn't realize you can go this long. Wow, sorry. I can understand you now. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so uh, <laughs> I can understand you Whew. so an ending um, an encouragement right because I don't want you to leave and be like man I'm doing a lot of bad things here no I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you empathy right now <laughs> I relate to this this is what I do I have to sit there with people I've never met in my life and have to listen right have to connect and have to respond and I've learned that in the church, that's what's missing. That's why we lose people. That's why, like, we're, we miss the mark of listening to people, of connecting with them and responding to them. Our goal when campers come is that they would respond to the gospel, right? Right? I, I heard someone say, oh, well, I just want them to, like, uh, let's get as many as we can saved. And, and in my mind, I'm like, well, that's true, but... Let's listen and connect with them first before we tell them to accept Christ. And that's why camp is amazing. Because in camp, we're not just like, okay, kids, get off the bus, all right. Everybody get on your knees, let's worship. All right, everybody accept Jesus Christ the Lord Savior right now. I said, no. Because then, what are we doing? We're just trying to create soldiers or whatever. But <laughs> we have to first... In order to respond and get that response, excuse me, we have to listen when we have to connect so that we can get the right response. That's empathy. When I say, hey, Pastor Al, can I talk to you for a little bit? You know, that sermon was really good. I really connected with it. And how is he going to respond? Well, you know, I worked on it. It was pretty nice, I know. No, he's going to be like, thank you, Carlos. You see how that worked? He listened to me. We connected in the sermon. And now he responds gratefully. When I work with a client, and I'll end right here, when I work with a client and they come in, they come in closed, untrustworthy, still detoxing from whatever they took, right? With a whole bunch of of rejection, hurt, and pain. And when they come in, Believe it or not, they see a big smile from this guy, and I show them that I'm interested. And I say, hey, what's going on, man? Come on, let's talk about this. Sit down. And believe me, I'm genuine. I'm not faking it. I really am genuine. But I said that I really enjoy hearing them. I listen to them. That's my process. I listen to them. Then when they realize, oh, this guy's for real, This is like the fifth day. He keeps on smiling at me and telling me, how am I doing? By the fifth day, when I meet them again, all of a sudden, they start connecting. And when they start connecting, they're like, oh, hey, this is my counselor. You know, they're walking down the hospital. It's a hospital. I'm walking. Oh, it's my counselor right there. Yeah, it's a counselor. Detox counselor right there, you know? like It's like all of a sudden, you're connecting. They're realizing that you care, that you're there, that you're not leaving them. Same thing with camp. They realize you're there. You're connecting. You're loving them. And then they respond at the end of their treatment gratefully. And, of course, not everybody leaves treatment. Uh, You know, some leave the program for other reasons, and other stuff are, are happening. But usually when we do this, they respond. They tell you. They spill the beans. They tell you where they're at, and they realize that empathy has happened in such a powerful manner. And I hope that in the church we start building that empathy. So let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your empathy towards us, God. I thank you, God, that you have made a way for us. And I know that we don't deserve it. But you've met us where we're at. You've listened to our cry. And you've connected with us through your Holy Spirit. And you've responded to us. As the song says, and your promises are yes and amen. That's your response to us, God. All your promises, all the faith. And so God, I just pray this morning that you would create a church even in this place, a church that empathizes with others, that learns to listen to the brokenhearted and that learns to connect with them continuously, not just the one and done deal, but continuously, purposefully connecting with the brokenhearted so that we can see the response, the result of something good, of something powerful, of faith, of healing, of hope that only you can give, Lord. But you ask us to be the preachers and to come and, and to share that. So give us that power, that if, that boldness, that courage. Remove the fear that says you can't do it. You can't go talk to that person who's broken. You don't have the words to say Let's stop believing the lie and believing that maybe we are the one. We are the one to connect. We are the ones to listen. So that the response will show the glory of God, which is salvation. So we thank you, God, and glorify you this morning. And as we sing this song, may we connect with you and respond appropriately.